The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Scott Barber. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber, and you're listening to me on America's Web Radio. Welcome to the show. I was watching the news this week, and I noted that Rachel Maddow was informing us that they were not going to be playing President Trump's remarks after winning the Iowa caucus because they didn't want to spread mistruths or untruths, and so they were protecting our ears from hearing something that they deemed to be untrue. And it got me to thinking, why do we believe what we believe? And it's a very complicated issue. And as a guy who's uh, getting up there in age and uh, having lived a little bit of life and also spending a lot of time in self-reflection, kind of wondering, why do I believe what I believe? And a lot of it has to do through passive information that gets into my head, watching television, watching movies, uh, listening to commercials, reading newspaper headlines, uh, things that people say around me when I watch comedy shows or Hollywood icons, all of this information sort of seeps into our head and it frames the way we view the world. And it also controls the way we think of things. And in this world that seems to be unraveling more and more and healthcare being a tool used to manipulate the way we think and to control our behavior, I feel that it is important for me to help us all reflect on why we believe what we believe. Now, I've been talking about it on this show all the time that the elite, the, the elite leaders in this country, the people who run the show, uh, the, the, the sort of, uh, power brokers in the world, in many cases, it's these billionaires, these trans, what, billionaires who have these transnational corporations, Zuckerberg, uh, the head of, uh, BlackRock, the, uh, leaders of, uh, Chase Bank, and all of these, uh, big people, Amazon, they, they want to control the way that we behave and they use healthcare and science is sort of a way to manipulate us. And I've been living in this world long enough to see the insanity of it. I've watched the coming ice age morph into global warming, which then morphed into climate change, which on the face of it is just so ridiculous that they basically went from it's going to get too cold to, okay, that doesn't seem to be working. It's going to be too hot. That didn't seem to work. I mean, it's just climate change. Whatever happens, it's uh, it's dangerous, and you need to give us all your freedom and all your money, and we will protect you. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, who's buying this? I mean, who really is falling for this canard that they're perpetrating on us? And so much has happened over the last few years with elections that seem to be uh, defy belief, one candidate is winning in a landslide. When you go to bed, you wake up the next morning and they have truckloads of ballots that come in 100% for another candidate. And then suddenly that person wins. And you're tell- being told that uh, everything is on the up and up. Uh, 
I made notice of certain things like in my entire life throughout any election I've ever seen, I've never seen them for a presidential election. I've never seen them stop counting the votes on the night of the election. They normally have every news organization up there letting you know every precinct that's coming in and who it's being called for and all this kind of stuff. And for some reason, during the 2020 election for Donald Trump, he was up in a landslide and then suddenly they just stopped counting. And then we were told, yeah, just uh, we'll let you know what happened in the morning. I woke up and suddenly Trump doesn't look like he's going to be the president. And I'm being told that I'm a psycho. I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm an evil person. I'm a spreader of misinformation for simply having questions. And that's the other thing for all the people who monitor this show that want to uh, attack us. Uh, and we know that because the Atlanta Journal-Constitution wrote an amazing article about Hal and I, about how we are spreading misinformation with no punishment from the medical boards. And it's just ironic when you look back on it that everything Hal and I said turned out to be 100% correct. And the uh, people that have been accusing us of spreading misinformation, they're the ones that don't seem to be suffering from any consequences. Now, another reason that I got it, I got thinking about this concept about why do we believe what we believe? I have a person in my life who I've known for a long time. They are about my age and they're committed leftists and we generally like each other and we've been together in a, in a friendship type relationship for a while. And I, I generally care about this person and I know, uh, they care about me. And I hadn't seen this person in a bit, and she, we started talking, how you doing, how are the kids, how's the family? I was asking those questions, and unfortunately, I got dragged into a political conversation. And I sort of got in my head that my position, the way I view the world, is so overwhelmingly supported by the facts that I thought I could change this person's mind. And what I realized was... That no matter what I said, that when people have strongly held beliefs about the world that they live in, it is n- nearly impossible to change their mind, even if you show them incontrovertible evidence. And it reminds me of the uh, Soviet KGB agent Yuri Bezmenov back in the 80s talking about how the Soviet Union manipulated their population and how this method of controlling the population by a steady diet of lies uh, told over and over again and that he, he pointed out that after a while when you demoralize the population enough you can show them the gulags and they still won't believe you and I'm starting to see that more and more in my own life and one of the pieces of evidence that has really opened my eyes to the way the world works has been the whole COVID epidemic. And there's so much that went down there. The way that we were told that we're not allowed to think for ourselves, that we can't do our own research, that uh, somehow having questions about vaccines or masks or lockdowns uh, made us evil people, not worthy of any care, uh, that uh, we were basically committing uh, crimes against our fellow uh, human beings because we said to ourselves or wanted to at least ask the question, do these masks work? Now, I've pointed out on this show many times that I came from a, a, a little bit of a different background in the sense that this whole uh, epidemic 
kind of was up in my wheelhouse in the sense that I had a large practice, so I had access to a lot of information. I'm a doctor, and so I had studied things in depth more than most people about masks and lockdowns and vaccines. I understood about viruses and epidemiology, and so it just gave me a bit of a perspective. The other thing is I had been studying and brushing up on my epidemiology, my virology, and all this stuff for a while. And so when they started uh, implementing mask mandates, I started saying, well, wait a second. We studied this in great detail when I was in medical school and beyond, and they don't work for these uh, viral uh, respiratory virus transmission. They, they're, they're not effective, including the N95. I know nobody likes to go on air and say that about the N95. Everybody has to be exactly careful because if you say something even slightly off uh, base, uh, from what the regime wants you to say, you, you know, you risk being attacked. But the fact of the matter is that in vivo, N95 masks, to my knowledge, have never been shown to be effective. And yet, even asking the question about masks started to get you in trouble and canceled and all this kind of stuff. And it really got me thinking, what the heck is going on here? Same thing about vaccines. I've learned, I uh, studied vaccines uh, my whole life, or well, I should say my whole medical life, which has been for more than 30 years now. And, you know, when you learn about all the different viruses and their characteristics, it makes sense that a vaccine would work for one virus and not another virus. And these respiratory viruses are particularly pesky when it comes to vaccines because they mutate so easily. And so it's difficult to get a vaccine that works in the long run, because as soon as you get a vaccine that works against the strain you're working on, it changes. And then the vaccine that you you just had no longer is effective. This is kind of basic stuff. And. I think it's understood. It's very clear to me and maybe, maybe to people who aren't medical doctors, but you know, we don't really have a lot of vaccines that are super effective against respiratory type illnesses. And the reason is, is because those respiratory illnesses have characteristics that don't really lend themselves to vaccines. And so I know that we've been working and endeavoring to find vaccines for a very long time. And so when COVID came along, this idea that somehow we were going to come up with a vaccine and solve this problem, it didn't make any sense to me. And simply by asking questions, people were attacked and pilloried. Now, when I was talking to this friend about the world we live in, a lot of the things uh, I thought were incredibly obvious. And I've been thinking a lot about the world that we live in. I've also been doing a lot of reading and thinking about things like human rights. And you hear people all the time talk about uh, that, that something needs to be done in the name of human rights. Healthcare is a classic one. You deserve healthcare because it's a human right. Well, a human right cannot be conferred on somebody if it also at the same time uh, compels somebody to provide a service to that person uh, because you'd be violating the rights of the person that has to provide the service. And therefore, healthcare is not a fundamental human right that you're bored with and died endowed by your creator. But beyond that, I started thinking, where did the whole concept of human rights come from? And the reality is that the significant part of the idea that the individual has value and should be protected under law and that we have certain God-given uh, inalienable rights comes from the Bible and Christianity. And a lot of the people screaming about uh, individual human rights absolutely don't believe in Judeo-Christian values or the Bible. And so it's kind of ironic that they're constantly screaming out about human rights without understanding that the whole concept comes from 
uh, Christianity, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the development of Western civilization as the individual rights were codified first in the Magna Carta and then in other constitutions around the world. Ours being the most uh, important, our U.S. Constitution, uh, endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which we, th- those of us who have researched this, understand the pursuit of happiness is uh, basically property rights. Now, I'm speaking to this friend, uh, talking about what has happened under the latest regime, and we were talking about inflation. And I figured, you know, inflation, that's a simple one, right? <clears throat> uh it was low, and now it's record high. And it's not a mystery as to how it got that way. We are simply printing money and spending money that we do not have. I mean, it's as simple as that. And inflation is out of control. And I bring it up to this person, and they pointed out, well, inflation has actually been going down. Well, it's going down from a super high number, and that super high number is gone down to another number that's still super high. So I said, Let's go to Google, which I would just assume everybody understands that Google is is an entity that's controlled by the regime. And Google literally changed the definition of inflation or of, of recession so that news organizations could go out and argue that we weren't in a recession, which we absolutely are. And before Google changed the definition it was two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth. It's been that way forever. And so we were in a recession. Uh, inflation is massive. And I thought, this is a checkmate talking to this person, but they just wouldn't have it. And it's, I feel that you're not right. And I was like, well, feeling is is not really an argument. You know, we need some data there. Um, we started talking about the Vietnam War and the, the idea of 59,000 Soldiers died over this 10-year period of the Vietnam War, which was horrifying. My father fought in Vietnam and nearly lost his life there. My father used to talk to me about how different the life of my brothers and I would have been had my father been killed in Vietnam. And, you know, there was proper outrage in this country at the time about it. But we see more than 100,000 Americans dying yearly due to the fentanyl coming across the border. And I don't see the same indignant uh, attitude from from these same people that would have been screaming uh, about the Vietnam War. And, you know, I, I started bringing that up. You know, you got this wide open border that's obviously open. You can see videos of legions of people coming across the border unchecked. We know that things are happening like drug trafficking and fentanyl deaths and Human trafficking. And, you know, I thought to myself, this is a, a no brainer. This is a checkmate again. And that I felt that this person was going to go, you know, you make good points and maybe I should rethink the way I view the world. And they said, no, <laughs> you're wrong. You're the, it's not bad. The, the border is fine. There's, there's not a lot of people coming across. There are not problems there. They just came out with a movie, Jim Caviezel called Sound of Freedom that was based on the true story of an FBI agent that quit his job with the FBI to go and rescue kids that were that were sold into uh, human trafficking. Now, this story is predicated on truth. This is a fact. And I'm always asking myself, 
if we know that people are being trafficked, human trafficking across the border, and we know that the border's wide open, why isn't anything, anybody doing anything about it? And it has to do with the way we are all manipulated and about the, the way we see the world that we live in. Now, when I was growing up, and I, you know, people always laugh at me too. They, you know, cause I went to UC Berkeley, which is, uh, known to be a, a very liberal university and I'm people who know me understand I'm not that way now and they'll laugh and they'll say how did a guy like you even survive at Berkeley and I always respond I wasn't born like this I mean I was a normal uh, you know what well I, I mean basically normal I was a normal kid in the sense I didn't really think about politics in the world I lived in I thought about sports and girls and I wanted to be a professional athlete and I didn't really think about uh, you know, big existential, um, concepts affecting the entire world until I started getting older. And my view of the world came from my personal observation of the world around me. And over time, I learned more. And as I became a doctor and got into the belly of the beast of medicine and science, I could see some of the corruption there. And when I say corruption, anytime you have human beings engaging in anything, there's going to be corruption because human beings are sinful people and we do bad things and we tend to operate in our own self-interest, me included. I'm not exempting myself from that. And the battle to be a better person and to be a moral person is is daily, you know, and I fight with it all the time. And even the concept of your morality of why don't you steal? Why don't you murder other people? Why don't you, you know, do these different things largely comes from the Judeo-Christian ethic and the Bible. And again, most people who are screaming about human rights uh, don't believe in that. Now, <clears throat> as I was talking to this friend about uh, all these different things, uh, they started accusing me of calling them stupid and all these sorts of things that I didn't believe I did. I was just saying, do you know about something? And they would say no. And then I would point out, well, if you don't know about it, how do you have such a strong opinion? Would you be open to talking about facts? And it just didn't go that way. And so we ended up getting in a very heated discussion. And sadly, we 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 parted ways, angry at each other. I later came back and apologized and, uh, you know, said, hey. I still love this person. Uh, but it really got me to thinking about the important parts uh, of today's show, which is why do we believe the way we believe? And, you know, the the whole purpose of the doctor's lounge is to talk about health care and how health care relates to each of you as an individual. And when we first started doing the show, it was about the uh, convincing people that free market medicine was a better method of deploying quality medicine at a lower price with more options. It was more compassionate than a one-size-fits-all government-run, top-down uh, socialized medicine program. And that has slowly morphed into us talking about the entire world that we live in because medicine is really just a tool that power brokers use to control us and to uh, extract wealth from us. And the idea that socialized medicine is a terrible form of of uh, implementing healthcare is is without question true. Now, there's we are constantly being manipulated through information from everything that we see, all the news that we see on TV or in print, uh, pop culture icons, Hollywood. 
uh, movies that we see, every news organization has bias to it, and many of them lie to us. And there was there's a, a clip that I saw on Twitter that was really good that sort of did a montage of all these different things. You're about to listen to a bunch of world icons, people with influence that, uh, you know, people that other people listen to, Democrats, Republicans, pop culture people, comedians. You're going to listen to all these people uh, explain to you how the unvaccinated are evil and we that unvaccinated people don't deserve any medical treatment, that unvaccinated people are responsible for all the ills in the world. And then I want to uh, play this out for you a little more after we listen to it. This is from... Um, these, uh, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. You are the unvaccinated. You are the problem. It is the unvaccinated who are the problem, period, end of story. The only people that you can blame, the only people you can blame, this isn't shaming, this is the truth. Maybe they should be shamed, but the unvaccinated. It's time for the start. Blaming the unvaccinated folks, not the regular folks. Anyone you came into contact with will blame you, as will the rest of us who have done the right thing by getting vaccinated. Because, frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated. I think it's time to get our moral house in order, Anderson. It's the unvaccinated who are the threat. All the vaccinated folks are going to start wearing masks to protect the unvaccinated folks. It's called a Christian value. You're basically punishing the vaccinated uh, for the the sins of the unvaccinated. People are not behaving honorably. The unvaccinated are basically saying, well, it's open season for me. I can do whatever I want as well. The, the unvaccinated are basically beating their breasts and running around the country saying, hi. We don't care. We're living free and so forth. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. The unvaccinated, a group that includes children and people acting like children. And the rest of us are starting to get pissed off. The vaccinated feel the unvaccinated are making me upset or angry. This is not about freedom or personal choice. Well, my freedom is being kind of destroyed. Screw your freedom. No. Screw your freedom. The other day, Howard Stern weighed in with a much different approach. Take a look. <laughs> when are we going to stop putting up with the idiots in this country and just say, you know, it's mandatory to get vaccinated. Their freedom. But you're treading on our freedom and you're making other people sick. And really, you're killing other people. The anti-vaxxers, they seem to have a thing. Joy Reid, nothing she ever says is remedies. true. The anti-maskers turned anti-vaxxers are not just putting their own lives at risk. If that was the issue, we could just say that we can watch them compete to win place or show in the Darwin Awards. We have to start doing things for the greater good of society and not for idiots who think that they can do their own research. And don't get me started on the lunatics who won't take any of the COVID vaccines. Life is too short to be an ass. Neil Life Cavuto, is way too Fox short News, to I've been be on short of the promise of something that is helping people worldwide. Maybe you're doing it because um, you're, you're disconnected or disorganized. Maybe you have some sympathetic you're psychological reasons. You won't get but maybe you're, you're just being antisocial. Oh, you can't shame them. You can't call them stupid. You can't call them silly. Yes, they are. Those who are not vaccinated will end up paying the price. The unvaccinated should be taxed. Uh, they should pay more oh, for health care. Unvaccinated need to be taxed and pay more. The choice to remain unvaccinated, the same as we look at driving while intoxicated. We're going to see, and I've said, almost 
Two types of America. Dr. Fauci said that if hospitals get any more overcrowded, they're going to have to make some very tough choices about who gets an ICU bed. I, that choice doesn't seem so tough to me. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy who gobbled horse goo? Rest in peace, Wheezy. Pointing back to the unvaccinated who are really creating a problem in this country, every death that we are seeing from COVID could have been Why? prevented. Literally, the only people dying are the unvaccinated. Lies. And for those of you spreading misinformation, shame on you. Shame on shame us. On you. I mean, did I you hear these clowns? Howard Stern, Arnold Schwarzenegger, MSNBC, CNN. Civilized people. All these different people. Uh, you know, the, the part that strikes me is so absurd is it's not like, hey, listen, I have an opinion and I want to argue my opinion. Uh, by using these facts, they just berated and and abused and just canceled anybody who brought up. And I know because I was one of them. You guys remember when the new the uh, Atlanta Journal Constitution come out against me and Hal? Uh, you know, doctors spreading misinformation, accusing us of something that was absolutely not true. And then when you look into it, and as history reveals, they're the ones that were absolutely wrong about this. And the thing that is so important here is you have to understand that the powers that be are always trying to tell you, don't, did you hear them talking about don't do your own research, Don Lemon, you people who think you can do your own research, this is ridiculous. Let me tell you something. When I was in medical school, I had a professor that pointed out that if you have a patient or the family member of a patient that has a chronic illness, that most likely they will know more about the disease than you do. And this is true. Because as a doctor, you know, we learn a lot about a lot of things, but we don't learn everything about everything. And so as I was going through my training, there are some things that I know very little about other than to answer the one question that always shows up on the test. You know, I remember when when I was a resident, you know, they used to talk about navicular fractures in the foot. And I, all I remembered was cast boot six weeks. And I used to laugh to myself. That was the only sentence that they had in the review book. It's all I knew, but I never missed the question. And so when you go through medical school and residency and you talk about how to study, it's not humanly possible for everybody to learn everything there is to know about medicine, right? It's the, the, the discipline is just so vast that it's not possible to know everything about everything. And so medical school generally tries to give you breadth of knowledge, right? That's knowing a little bit about a lot of things and then depth of knowledge is something that we develop as we get into our specialty or when you have a unique problem. For example, I had breadth of knowledge regarding uh, coronaviruses, vaccines, epidemiology, things like that, masks. <clears throat> My depth of knowledge was not as good. At one time, I had better depth of knowledge on these things, but it receded. But when the COVID pandemic came around, because I had studied these things in the past and I had a basic understanding, I was able to go reread and take my breadth of knowledge and create more depth of knowledge. When I was in residency, I was kind of known as Rain Man. And you guys all know my story. <clears throat> I was reading disabled and, you know, didn't get into medical school till my fifth try. 
but I did have a good memory when I would read things over and over and over again. I could I could memorize a lot. And so when I was in residency, we had a review book called Miller. There's a orthopedic surgeon named Dr. Miller, and he's kind of made a thing by taking orthopedics and putting it into a review book. And he comes out with different editions over the years. And so anything that you needed to know for the boards and to do your basic practice of medicine in orthopedics is kind of in this review book, Miller. And I read it like a hundred times when I was in residency. And so when I would be on different rotations, uh, our, our instructors would ask questions and I would always know the answer. And as we were walking away, my, my classmates, my, my fellow residency mates would be, you know, how did you know that? And I would always be, it's in Miller. And so that kind of became like a catchphrase, like it's in Miller and people would just laugh about it. Anytime I answered anything, they'd be like, I know, I know it's in Miller. And I'd be like, well, it's the only thing I read. And I just read it over and over and over again. And it's stuck in my head. And, and the important thing about that was it gave me great breadth of knowledge, but not depth of knowledge. And so when I had individual problems, let's say I had a patient that came in with a specific problem, I would then read about it in other textbooks, and that would help develop my depth of knowledge. And that's why the practice of medicine is so important as you start to learn things uh, by doing. Uh, the other thing that being in medical school and residency taught me was that science is not not a yes, no, up or down, right or wrong type of endeavor. Science is conducted by human beings and therefore by people who are innately sinful and fallible. And so just because uh, a science uh, says something, I don't just take it at face value because that's the way I was trained. And we talk about it all the time. In med school and residency, we used to do journal clubs where we would read journal articles to one another and we would critique them. And we were trained to critique in a certain way and we would understand that every single thing that is ever printed in science has innate bias into it and that the scientific method and the way we're supposed to conduct a scientific research is supposed to eliminate uh, as much of that bias as possible. But we never get down to zero. And that's why when we critique uh, an article, uh, you know, it's never perfect and there are always holes in it, even the best articles. And that's why science is not like we do one study uh, you know, the study gives us the answer and then we never look at it again. And the media was trying to do this all the time. We need more randomized controlled studies on hydroxychloroquine or on vaccine. It's like, what are you talking about? There's tons of studies out there. All you have to do is read it. And I have shared with you, if you guys have ever heard the phrase, you know, 10 years ago was important or it was a big thing for uh, leftists to say 97% of doctors agree uh, that man-made clo- uh, global warming or climate change is 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 an issue. And I just kept thinking to myself, that doesn't make any sense to me, 97% of climate scientists. Like, give me the list of 100% of climate scientists. You know what I mean? Who gets to be, who gets to decide who gets to be on that list? Is It always stuck in my craw. Like, there's no list of here's 100% of the scientists. There's lots of people out there who look at stuff. There are people that are going to be on that scientist list that are clowns. And the way we know they're clowns is because we allow freedom of speech and we can see what they have to say and we can measure their interpretations against what other people say. That's how it's supposed to work. But we've gotten into this world where we're we're – we're canceling people and we're labeling people as known spreaders of misinformation and we're preventing 
uh, people from hearing the truth. And I want to just remind you, the great uh, Dr. Marty McCarry talking about the greatest perpetrators of misinformation and congressional hearings. Let's, I know I've played this a lot, but it's important. And I'm, I feel one day they're probably going to delete this, but I want you guys to hear it and listen. The greatest perpetrator of misinformation during the pandemic has been the United States government. Misinformation that COVID was spread through surface transmission, that vaccinated immunity was far greater than natural immunity, that masks were effective. Now we have the definitive Cochrane review. What do you do with that review? Cochrane is the most authoritative evidence body in all of medicine and has been for decades. Do you just ignore it, not talk about it? That myocarditis was more common after the infection than the vaccine. Not true. It's four to 28 times more common after the the vaccine. That young people benefit from a booster. Misinformation. Our two top experts on vaccines quit the FDA in protest over this particular issue, pushing boosters in young, healthy people. The data was never there. That's why the CDC never disclosed hospitalization rates among boosted Americans under age 50. The vaccine mandates would increase vaccination rates. The George uh, Mason University study shows it didn't. It did one thing. It created never vaxxers. Over and over again, we've seen something that goes far beyond using your best judgment with the information at hand. We've seen something which is unforgivable, and that is the weaponization of medical research itself. The CDC putting out their own shoddy studies, like their own study on natural immunity, looking at one state for two months, when they had data for years on all 50 states. Why did they only report that one sliver of data? Why did they salami slice the giant database? Because it gave them the result they wanted. Same with masking study. Well, the data has now caught up in giant systematic reviews. And the public health officials were intellectually dishonest. They lied to the American people. Thank you. Never forget that. The greatest perpetrator of misinformation during the pandemic was the United States government. Now, let's just reflect back to the uh, clip I played before that, which is uh, I got that off of Twitter and I should um, it was called Fat Emperor at Fat Emperor. So hat tip to that person for putting that clip together. But you listen to all these influential icons, Howard Stern, uh, I can't even think of his name, the late show guy, Jimmy Kimmel, these clowns, uh, calling us bad people, idiots for not getting vaccinated. We're the reason that everything is going bad. We're the vaccine, the unvaccinated are the reason that everybody's dying. These were all lies, as it turns out, or at least inaccurate. I mean, I, you know, we happen to know that they were lying in many cases. And I'm, I, I say that very carefully because I have evidence of it. But, um, the, uh, we have new FOIA request emails, uh, from CDC director back in January of 2021. And this FOIA request, uh, email, I got this from at Hans Monkey. Uh, at Hans Monkey, I apologize if I'm saying his name wrong. This is off of Twitter, so hat tip to this person. Uh, we got this uh, FOIA requested email sent from uh, Walensky Rochelle, Saturday, the 30th of January, 2021. Dear all, this is to um, 
to a bunch of people. Dear all, I had a call with Francis Collins this morning, and one of the issues we discussed was that 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 of vaccine breakthroughs. This is clearly an important area of study and was specifically called out this week here, and she gives a website. Uh, Nancy and I discussed this briefly a few weeks ago, and I understand that, uh, and then it's all redacted, and then it says, should we discuss what is the best next step forward? Francis is also discussing with Tony, that's Fauci. Thanks all, Rochelle. So this shows that back in January of 2021, as the vaccines were being rolled out, they knew that there were breakthrough. And yet they were saying things like, uh, the, the vaccine, those who are vaccinated can't get the vaccine, that it stops. And let's go back and let's look at, uh, Rachel Maddow. Uh, and, you know, Rachel Maddow just came out and said that CNN or whatever, MSNBC, whatever show she's on, uh, <clears throat> that they were not going to play President Trump's remarks after winning the Iowa caucus because they didn't want to spread untruths. That is so ironic coming from somebody who does nothing but spread misinformation. And if you don't believe me, let's just take a little trip down memory lane and listen to what she has to say. I got this from the great Kevin Bass uh, on Twitter, uh, hat tip Kevin Bass. Uh, let's listen to, to uh, Rachel Maddow. To us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. There is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. There is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. So that is genius right there. What he's doing is playing Rachel Maddow when they're saying we're not going to play President Trump's remarks because we don't want to we don't want to broadcast untrue things. And then he clips it with. Rachel Maddow during her infamous statement that if you get the vaccine, it stops. Uh, listen, they knew that that wasn't true, but they went on on air and they told us that anyway. And, you know, it just blows my mind. Why would you listen to MSNBC, CNN, all of these outlets? Fox is no better. They they have an agenda as well. And they may align with your beliefs a little more, but they still allow untruths to go out there. My favorite one is the way Fox passively allows people to go on there and talk about the Charlottesville hoax, which is where they'll say Trump said that uh, white supremacists and neo-Nazis were very fine people when he did not. If you listen to Trump's uh, speech that time, he says, he goes, I'm specifically not talking about the uh, white supremacists and neo-Nazis. They should be condemned totally. He said that. And they edit it out and they just let you believe it. And it's just, it's like a passive lie that affects the way we believe things. And I, I do this all the time when I'm talking to people. And this is not me pushing Trump one way or the other. It's just making an observation. People hate Trump because he's a liar. And I'll be like, okay, give me an example. Well, you know everything. And I'll say, well, you know, I'm not asking for everything. Just give me one thing. And then they can't do it. And it reinforces my understanding that people just, things get in our head by the way we watch commercials, the way we watch TV, and things get in there. When I was, uh, I don't know, a few years back, I was watching Sons of Anarchy. It was a pretty good show, Motorcycle Gang. And it was kind of weird. I'm always weirded out in this new age about how 
a lot of times the people that we are rooting for are the bad people, you know, and Sons of Anarchy was was one of those shows where we're rooting for these guys, but they're, you know, they're gangsters, they steal, they murder people, but they kind of do it in a good way. And I'm just like, ah, I don't really feel good about it. And I remember there was a scene where our hero motorcycle gangsters were uh, wanting to stop the chief of police's wife from sharing some information. I can't remember what it was. And so their intention was to go in and scare her, but not hurt her because our heroes, they would never hurt anybody. So they broke into her house. She then goes for the gun that she has in her bedside and she loses control of the gun and she's accidentally killed by the gun. And the guys are looking at each other like, Oh my God, we didn't mean to hurt her, but now she's dead. And I just remember thinking something clicked in my mind that when I was growing up, I was always, there was this statistic in my head and I didn't actively seek it out. I didn't research this. It was just in my brain that if you owned a gun, statistics show you are more likely to be killed by that gun than to fend off uh, an invader or something like that. And I just remember thinking to myself, this, this show, this scene on the Sons of Anarchy enforces, it reinforces that idea. She owned a gun. You had these harmless people. We know they're harmless because we're rooting for them week after week in the show. They had no intention of hurting this woman. And then she lost control of the gun and was accidentally killed by it. And sort of the the subliminal reinforcement there is had she only not owned a gun, she'd have been fine. They would have just gone in, scared her, and everything would have been fine. And I thought to myself, this is how this works. Um, they're constantly trying to get you to subordinate what you see with your own eyes. And you hear it all the time. These people, Don Lemon, these people who think they can do their own research. You absolutely can do your own research. I'm a doctor, but there are things in medicine that I've studied only peripherally. And yeah, I have a better base of knowledge to comprehend things, but it doesn't mean that somebody else can't go research it and know it better than me who didn't go to medical school. That's utterly ridiculous. And here's the truth of the matter is I've gotten older in business, raising a family and all this kind of stuff. I don't leave any information to some other person. I always research things myself, whether it's finances or car seats for my children, whatever. Uh, this idea that you shouldn't do your own research is ridiculous. And there's a reason that they don't want you to hear Donald Trump. There's a reason that Rachel Maddow says uh, we're not going to play President Trump's remarks is because once the gig is up, when they have no leg to stand on, and they can't stand up to scrutiny. They can't stand up to debate. The only thing left to do is to censor, to cancel. And let me just show this great uh, clip. I know I've showed it before, but it nothing illustrates this better. You got John Kerry, who's out there pushing climate change and all that climate fraud. And you got Tom Massey asking him some basic questions in a congressional hearing regarding climate change. And listen to John Kerry. He's unable to handle it. Isn't it true you have a science degree from Yale? What's that? Bachelor of Arts degree. Is it a political science degree? Yes, political science. So how do you get a Bachelor of Arts in a science? Well, it's liberal arts education and degree. It's a bachelor. Okay, so it's not really science. So I think it's somewhat appropriate that somebody with a pseudoscience degree is here pushing pseudoscience in front of our committee today. Let's get back to the science of it. But it's not science. You're not quoting science. I, I, well, you're the science expert. You got the political science degree. Look, 
Let me ask you this. What's the consensus on parts per million of uh, CO2 in the atmosphere? About 406, 406 today. Okay, 406. Are you aware... 350 being the level that scientists have said is dangerous. Okay, are you aware... 350 is dangerous. Wow. Are you aware that since mammals have walked the planet, the average has been over a 1,000 parts per million? Yeah, but we weren't walking the planet. It's... um, Let me just share with you that... We now know that definitively at no point during the least the past 800,000 years has atmospheric CO2 been as high as it is today. The reason you chose 800,000 years ago is because for 200 million years before that, it was greater than than it is today. And I'm going to say, for the record... Yeah, but there weren't human beings. I mean, there was a different world, folks. We didn't have 7 billion people. So how did it get to 2,000 parts per million if we humans weren't here? Because there were all kinds of geologic events happening on Earth which spewed up... Did geology stop when we got on the planet? Mr. Chairman, this is just not a serious conversation. Your your testimony is not serious. (laughs) I agree. I mean, that is just an epic beatdown. And you see uh, Congressman Massey talking to him about his political science degree. He's really mocking them, right? Because the left is constantly saying you're not allowed to have an opinion unless you are an expert. And we get to decide who are the experts. And so he's got a – John Kerry apparently has a degree in political science, right, which is not science science. He's kind of mocking him like – you know, you have a degree in science, but, and so you're get you know, and he calls it pseudoscience because political science isn't a real science degree. And then Massey kind of mocks John Kerry saying it makes sense that somebody with a pseudoscience degree is commenting on pseudoscience. And you can see why they need to cancel people is because if we had open debate, a lot of these insane notions would be exposed because normal people using their common sense would be able to see this and it would it would affect the way people view the world because the ability for these elites to control the way we think and to give us our basis for why we believe what we believe is is dependent on them being able to be the ones who control what is considered true or not true now there, there's another clip that I've played on the show. I want to do it again because this is very important. I want to string together like all these so-called experts telling you how you need to think and that a lot of us kind of go along with it. This is a Berkeley law professor. And I point out she's a law professor because that is somebody who's in charge of creating the next generation of people who are going to be our judges, interpreting our constitutional rights and all this kind of stuff. And listen to her Listen to her logic. And if you don't find her utterly illogical, you might be concerned for yourself that you're already kind of slipping to the dark side. Listen to this. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks to all of the witnesses for being here. Josh Hawley, uh, Senator before, Hawley. Uh, I, I want to visit with you, Ms. Minsky, but before I do, I just want to clear one thing up. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy. 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks to all of the witnesses for being here. Uh, before, uh, I, I want to visit with you, Ms. Maskey, but before I do, I just want to clear one thing up. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy. Okay, so that's, that's the beginning of the clip I thought I was playing. She kind of goes into Josh Hawley by asking the question, is perpetrating violence on her and things like that? But it still makes the point that there's only one sex that's capable of having children, and that's women. And the fact that we have to sit here and have an argument about it shows us how far our our society has fallen and how – We've been manipulated. This is at a, at a Senate hearing. We have a Berkeley law professor and they're arguing about whether or not the idea of people who having, uh, who are able to uh, be pregnant are women. And Josh Hawley's just saying, like, are you talking about women? And she's like, no, I'm not talking about women. And she goes into the whole political trans agenda thing. Now, um, that's important because she is a Berkeley law professor. This is not like some random person on the street. She has a lot of power over people. And Ber- listen, Bolt Law School at Berkeley, I'm here to tell you, that's one of the top law schools in the country. And that's somebody who is molding the minds of the people who come next. Now, many of you remember the fires that happened in Maui. And... um the, uh, you know, that was, uh, we still haven't heard a lot about that. You know, the fire happened. They've completely uh, closed down the area. We don't really have any media that has the ability to get in there, but we know something is right. You know, a lot of children were killed there. They won't give us the number of children. So that's clearly some kind of cover up. I don't have any information on it other than the little bit that we've gotten, but we do know that the, a uh, person who is in charge of releasing the water, uh, uh, M. Kaleo Manuel, he delayed the release of water for five hours. This person has a degree in Hawaiian studies, but has a government position that uh, put him during this fire. Uh, he basically wouldn't release water, obviously needed to fight this fire. I want you to listen to how he talks about things. He's being asked about his delay in releasing the water in the wake of all these people being killed by this horrific fire. I want to listen to what he has to say. Commission is responsible per, per our authorizing statute to protect and manage all water resources. Sorry, hang on a sec. Commission is responsible per, per our authorizing statute to protect and manage all water resources in the state. One water is like taking it, looking at it from a holistic system perspective. You know, and in essence, we treated a, a Native Hawaiians treated water as one of the earthy manifestations of a god in Akua Kane. We've become used to looking at water as like something which we use and not necessarily something w- that we revere as that thing that gives us life, right? I mean, to me, it's a shift in value set. So really, my motto is always like, let water connect us and not divide us. Like we we can share it, but it requires true conversations about equity. That's just a bunch of. I mean, I, I I'm I'm just saying to you, just imagine 
that you are, and uh, it, it kills me to even think about this, but just imagine you're a parent and you just lost your child in this fire and you want to know what happened. You're looking for answers. And this clown gets up there and talks about, well, the reason I delayed the water is because, you know, we, we Hawaiians think about water, the, co- I don't even what he said, the kakua. It's uh, something, you know, that we use. It's something that we revere. What are you even talking about? This is what happens when you have a society that is not based on merit, that is not based on accomplishment, that is purely political and ideological, puts these people in positions of power. And let me tell you, this is happening in your healthcare. I, I mean, this is the whole crux. This is why I do this show is to raise the alarm that, you know, these types of people are running our healthcare. They're running everything. They're running your SWAT teams, your police forces. They're, they're running your schools. And I, listen, if you're listening to me right now and you're listening to that and you're saying, well, you know, the guy has a point. This is not the show for you. You know, I, I'm here to talk to people who still have some semblance of common sense. Okay. So I'm, I'm taking you through a series of, of clips showing First of all, all the uh, people that are proponents of sort of this top-down government control system mocking us, berating us, telling us we're idiots, uh, telling us that we shouldn't have access to health care if we're unvaccinated, claiming falsely that it's the unvaccinated that were the reason for all the deaths. And then I'm showing how they knew for a fact that that what they were saying wasn't true. And now as the data is coming out, uh, they're just sort of ignoring it and, and acting like we're not seeing the facts. Um, <clears throat> we have, um, let me see, I, I just want to go to this other clip we have here. So um, Cheryl Atkinson just did an article uh, called, uh, this is in, uh, Cheryl Atkinson uh, News, and it's titled CDC Data, COVID Vaccinated Kids More Likely to Be Hospitalized for Respiratory Illness. Now, I'm going to read you the beginning of this article because it's just so good. This is December 30th, 2023 by Cheryl Atkinson. The following is a news analysis. In today's perverted information and medical environment, you can count on at least one thing. Any data that shows concerns with COVID vaccination or any vaccination is likely to somehow be twisted into a recommendation that more people get vaccinated. When reading studies promoted by CDC and other traditional medical sources, it is important to get past the analysis and calculus chosen by the agency slash doctors trying to promote vaccines at any cost. Look at the actual data and crunching the numbers reveals often ignored facts. In a recent CDC study, not noted in the summary or analysis write-ups, the data shows the vast majority of kids in the United States are unvaccinated for COVID, and the vast majority of hospital visits uh, for uh, of kids for any reason were among unvaccinated. Okay, that's true. But the COVID vaccinated kids were disproportionately likely to get intensive care treatment. Let me reread that. The COVID vaccinated kids were disproportionately more likely to get intensive care treatment. That was 5.4% vaccinated, 4.5% unvaccinated. They were more likely to be admitted for inpatient treatment, 
55% of the vaccinated, 44% of the unvaccinated, uh, they were more likely, the vaccinated, to require supplemental oxygen, 36% of vaccinated versus 28% of unvaccinated, stay in the hospital longer, three days for vaccinated, two days for unvaccinated, and die, 0.094% of the vaccinated and 0.031% of the unvaccinated. So that number is important for two reasons. The first is, to demonstrate just how ridiculously low the chance of a kid dying from COVID is. I mean, ridiculously low because this is only 0.094 of the vaccinated. So more likely to die if you're vaccinated than unvaccinated. You hear what I just said? This is the CDC data. You are more likely to die as a child vaccinated than unvaccinated. It's 0.094% of vaccinated and 0.031% of vaccinated. And you guys, I know you're all sitting out there going, well, you know, 0.0914, whatever, 0.094%. That's almost a tenth of a percent. Uh, No, that's of the people who get hospitalized. That number is that low. When you consider everybody getting infected, you're talking about an infinitesimally low number of, of, of deaths among child, uh, children in COVID, which begs the question, why are we pushing an un, untested, meaning it hasn't been out there for very long vaccination? Uh, why, why the rigor? The number is so teeny, eensy, beensy, tiny. Why were they pushing it so hard? And why do I have that clip of them? It's the unvaccinated that's killing us. It's the unvaccinated. It's stupid. Arnold Schwarzenegger is my favorite one. Screw your freedom. You think you're free not to get vaccinated? Screw your freedom. Well, I happen to be watching uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh show that they have on Netflix about his life. And listen, the dude's life is ridiculously amazing. I mean, comes from Austria. Uh, he comes to the United States, becomes a bodybuilding superstar, turns into a box office superstar with, you know, barely uh, has uh, any intelligible English and then becomes governor. Uh, you know, the whole thing. The guy's amazing. I mean, no question about it. But it turns out his dad was a Nazi soldier. I mean, that just it just strikes me as funny. And I'm not here to say that his dad was a good guy or a bad guy or whatever. But the fact of the matter is Arnold talks about the in the show that his father was kind of a, a bitter dude. Uh, because he came back from the war. He was a Nazi soldier. And it makes sense to me. Arnold says, screw your freedom, because there are certain things I think that are deep down in people. So I'm showing you uh, Rachel Maddow, uh, you know, telling us that they're going to decide not to play us information. They don't want to show us Trump's victory speech because it's untruth. But yet we've shown over and over again how they've been lying left and right about everything. I want you to hear Deborah Burks. She was also on the COVID task force. And I want you to hear what she has to say. This also is from the great Kevin Bass. Listen to Deborah Burks. Illusion that the vaccine will do better than natural infection, although it can often do slightly better. I think that's, I mean, you're an expert. You were on the task force. You were part of this this effort when you were in the previous administration. And you're saying in this administration that you can't rule out the fact that our government was lying to us when they told us the vaccinated could not get the virus. I don't know about their discussions that they had in the task force. So I can't tell you that. I can tell you as a family member who had individuals that were susceptible, of course we got everybody vaccinated. But we still use layered protection during surges because I knew potentially the vaccine immunity would wane like natural immunity waned. And there was evidence that every four months reinfection was occurring in South Africa. Wow. When the government told us that the vaccinated couldn't transmit it, was that a lie or was that a guess? 
Or is it the same answer? I think it was hope that the vaccine would work in that way. And that's why I think scientists and public health leaders always have to be at the table, being very clear what we know. That's what she has to say for herself. They thought it was hope when they were telling us that the vaccine worked. It stops. Rachel Maddow, if you got vaccinated, it stops. It can't go to the next person. Listen, I need you guys to all reflect. Why do you think what you think? Don't trust any of the sources that you see just because of somebody's title, their education, their position. Uh, they're fallible uh, like every other human being. They're sinners like every other human being. I'm here to tell you, always do your own research. And we're going to explore this even more in the shows to come. I hope that was helpful to you guys. Everybody have a great one. I'll see you next time on the Doctor's Lounge. You're listening to Dr. Scott Barber on America's Web Radio. We'll see you next time. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.